from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT is where you're listening. You're also watching on Facebook Live, Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT. We are inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios, hanging out with you on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. And my guy Gene Waldron is now on the broadcast. He is obviously from Syracuse Orange Basketball History, a fabric of our community. And we're happy to not only have him here, but to have him here doing what he does. He's still connected to the sport of basketball, still coaching, still teaching, still being there for the kids and helping the future. And with somebody like Gene Waldron and everything that he's seen and going through his own career and adversity and different things we talked about on the show, to have someone like that care about the community, care about the kids and want to give back, that's what we need in our world. That's how this world gets better. That's how this world excels is when somebody says, you know what, I want to pay it forward. I want to give back. I want to help out. So we're going to talk about a lot of different things today. But first and foremost, I want to thank Gene Waldron for what he's doing for the community and the fact that he cares about these kids and he cares about the people of Central and Upstate New York. So Gene, first and foremost, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And so Gene Waldron hanging out with us this morning. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Let's let's start things off here with with the fact that Syracuse, you know, some I, I I struggle to call them fans because there's fans and there's fanatics. Fans are people that support you no matter what. Fanatics are people that go to games and they scream and they yell and they threaten because their lives are miserable and they need to find something to do to put that energy out. So the fanatics, let me say, have decided to stand at the press of either they're thinking about jumping off the cliff right now, Gene. Because Syracuse lost their opening game. Now, mind you, Syracuse lost their opening game, which is usually against, you know, Holy Family Church of Christ. But they lost their opening game this season to the defending national champion Virginia Cavaliers of the ACC and head coach Hall of Famer to me, Tony Bennett. They lose that game and fans are already saying, I don't think I can watch any more of this. What's your reaction to how the fans immediately said, well, if we're going to lose to Virginia, the season's over. Well, you know, you get used to the uh, the fanatics being that way. You know, there's a lot of people that you see on the, on the social media and saying, uh, talking negative about the players, the coach. This is something that you will see every single year. You know, but people have to realize that, you know, it takes time for teams to come together. I mean, if you look, you know, Kentucky got beat last night. I mean, so you have to realize that it's going to take this team time to get together, but fans stick with the team. Fanatics are going to always criticize. And, and like you said, because, you know, they probably got things that are not going so well in their lives. But, you know, I, I, I think you also have to understand that, you know, they were playing Virginia. Virginia will make any team look bad because they're such a great defensive team. Right. You know, and, and when we look at a team like Virginia in that opening game, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on that, Gene? Because this is not an easy 
you know, road to take. It's not an easy road to be in by any stretch of the imagination to start off your season. And, and like I said, you know, Syracuse is used to starting off their season. I, you know, I said, Holy Family Church of Christ. They're they're used to starting off their season against against cupcakes, teams they're supposed to beat so that they can get to know each other. They could build some chemistry and whatnot. What's your take on the fact that, you know, Syracuse really didn't have much of a choice and they had to open against Virginia and only one team has to open against the reigning national champion this year it was Syracuse. Well, I, you know, the one thing that um, people are going to have to understand, and I definitely understand, is that they're going to learn from that. I mean, that, that, that type of game is only going to help them down the road, especially later on in the season. You know, I, I don't think it hurts to have some tough games. You know, it's unfortunate that they had to have that particular one, but I think it's going to help them down the, down the road, and I think it's also going to bring them closer together in, in, in terms of knowing that, hey, you know, we've got to make sure we're ready to play every single night. Yeah, you know, and, and speaking here with Gene Waldron, Syracuse Orange basketball alum this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You're watching on Facebook.com backslash live now DT. You're listening on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. Uh, Gene, for for this to be the opening game, though, like you said, it's going to, in your opinion, it's going to bring them closer together. It's going to help them to learn, to gel what what's your take on the fact that the ACC now requires 20 games to be played? And, and uh, we got a message here from Carlos said, what's up? What's up to him as well? But, you know, to look at to look at the fact that now there's 20 ACC games instead of 18, which means that, you know, typically Syracuse plays like 31 games in the regular season, somewhere around that. And with those 31 games, they've been able to have 18 in conference, 13 out of conference. Now with 20 in conference, you can only have 11 out of conference games. What What's your thought on that? That the ACC, which you know can be reviewed, it can be viewed as, and in my opinion, you know, definitely uh, when somebody says they're the toughest conference in basketball, I think that in football right now that's not holding weight. But in basketball, the ACC top to bottom has a lot of uh, fantastic you know games to watch because of the teams that are in it. What's your take on the fact that there's two more ACC games now? Well, you know, it's basketball. I think it's a beautiful thing, you know. Uh, I think the ACC is probably one of the toughest conferences um, in, in America. And I, I, I think most teams are going to embrace that. I mean, the more basketball, the better. And especially when it comes to uh, picking for the NCAA, I think um, I think it's only going to help most teams. You know, and hopefully it helps Syracuse more than, more than most. You know, and, and to have that, though, to know that this is how Syracuse has to go, they start off the season with an ACC game. They're going to play Georgia Tech early on this season as well because they had to fit these two ACC games into their what used to be their non-conference schedule. They have to mesh that in there. Do you, do you like it? Do you like the fact that, you know, a conference that beats the hell out of each other now gets to do it a little bit more? Yeah, I, I, I love that. I mean, Back in the days with the with the Big East, those games were well phenomenal. You embrace playing your, your conference games, um, and I think it's only going to help Syracuse. I mean, I think it's going to help most of the teams in the ACC because you got to, you got to be ready to play every single night, and I just think it's going to really help, um, especially Syracuse, you know, because they're so used to playing so many non easy non conference games that playing some of these tougher teams early is going to help them even more. Yeah, absolutely. Here with Gene Waldron this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. You know, this 
these are the games that, like you said, I mean, they, they help you out because you get hit right from the gate, you know, with Syracuse being used to playing Cornell and Colgate and Bucknell and, you know, and, and Seattle and some of these other games that they have coming up, you know, games like that, when, when you're figuring that Bayheim's going to start 11 and 0 or 10 and 10 and 2 or something like that, you know, something in that respect that he's going to have, you know, double digit wins coming through this, you get put literally Syracuse got put into the NCAA tournament right off the jump. And, you know, so that, I mean, that throws you into the fire immediately. What do you think that does for the freshman? I mean, obviously you were a freshman at, at Syracuse in, in your time there. What does it do for a freshman to have their first game be against the reigning national champion? It, it, it's it's nerve-wracking to, okay. to say to say to say the least. Yeah. And you know, and I, I think you saw I think you saw that in, against the Virginia uh, that Virginia team. The guys were a little bit nervous, uh, especially some of the freshmen. Um, you know, some of the shot selection weren't the greatest um and some of the shot selection were good but they just didn't go in but you, yeah. you can see that they they were not ready to play against uh virginia this early you can see that but again you know a game like that's only going to help you down the road absolutely and with tony bennett i, I do want to stop on virginia for a second here uh, defensively we know that they're strong they played a football game against syracuse on the court 48 to 34 and you know syracuse played Pretty good defense. Virginia played pretty good defense, and, and Virginia obviously outlasted and was able to score enough. And when Virginia's in these games where they're not high scoring, just like Butler of old, when they're in games like this, they win these games because they can always do enough, right? You know, they always win. So what can you say about, you know, Virginia got their first ever championship in the 2018-19 season. Tony Bennett got to hoist the trophy for the first time ever. I love talking with this guy. I respect the heck out of him. What can you say about Virginia getting their first ever championship, Tony Bennett as a coach? Because like you just echoed, I said they always find a way in these close games that are low scoring, and you said always as well. So what can you say about just watching Virginia and Tony Bennett, maybe some of your thoughts? I think it was, you know, I think it was overdue. I mean, because every year they're right there, but they just never seem to be able to get over that hump, you know, and he's a, a fantastic coach. Very, very uh, knows what he's doing, and I just think that it was a situation where, when you looked at this last, when they won it, the way that they they won that NCAA championship was was phenomenal, and it was well overdue. And he was, if anybody in the country deserved it, was him. And and him to have that now, they step forward into this season, and well undoubtedly wreak some havoc on some teams out there as we move forward. Syracuse moves forward with a game. But, you know, coming out of this game, before we talk about what's coming up, they were 5 of 20 from 3, 17.2%, 13 of 55 from the field in general, 23.6%. And like I said to the fans, I said, listen, if this is a low-scoring game, it means both teams, you know, they're either shooting terribly and playing good defense or they're playing good defense or they're shooting terribly. But this is not going to happen forever. You know, this this is not a forever thing Syracuse I would imagine is not going to shoot 17% from three you know forever they're not going to shoot 23% from the field you got a bunch of shooters out there you got guys like Marek Dolajai who has range and Elijah Hughes and Buddy Bayheim, of course and then you bring in you know Bryson Gooding to see what he can do Joe Girard obviously we know he can make the deep shot so with all of that and maybe some other guys some hidden gems on the team uh, one note that I made about this Virginia game is don't expect Syracuse to 
be this poor on offense. I, I think having a bad offensive night against a great Virginia team is never going to be a win for you, but I would imagine Syracuse is going to start shooting better, and maybe that even happens tonight. Hopefully. I mean, and, and you know, you look at some of these non-conference games. I know we talked about how tough the ACC is, but some of these non-conference games are, are not going to be easy. I mean, I know that – game tonight you, you got to be ready because on any given night you can get beat and yeah. um, i also think you know i I'm a, I'm a true believer that they're gonna have to find some some kind of inside game i mean because i don't think you can always rely on that jump shot every night um i think they're gonna have to be able to find that inside game a little bit and i think dolage is going to really have to insert himself into in the offense a little bit more than just being uh, a passer I, I think if he can insert himself a little bit more on the inside and outside i think it'll be a little bit more effective my opinion and we look at you know we look at jim Beheim now and you know he was your coach and he'll always be your coach we <clears throat> we hear the we hear the criticisms we hear the love what's your take on i mean jim has been on that sideline for over 40 years what's your take on on jb the jb today and the coach that you see today and the 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 way that you see games go right now what would you say about jim Beheim in in today's game he always figures it out. This is no no other way of putting it. He always figures it out. Um, whether it's it, it doesn't really matter who they're playing. You know, they can look, have a couple of losses, but he always manages to figure it out and get those guys to play. Um, so I'm 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 not really wor- worried a whole lot because you know Hall of Fame coach. Look at his record. His record speaks for itself. Yeah. Um, and and he'll he'll get those guys to respond. Um, is either you respond or you're gonna be sitting and watching. <laughs> you're gonna be sitting and watching. It's, you know that's just how, that's just coach's way. You know, and also some of those younger kids are gonna have to understand his expectations. Don't turn the ball over. Make the good pass. Don't make mistakes. Those are things that just drives him crazy, and they're gonna have to be able to take all the screaming and the yelling and all that because he cares that much about his team and his players. You know, um, I know back in my day, I, I can remember calling my mom and say, Mom, you got to tell her to stop yelling at me. <laughs> she's like, my mom, she's like, she just said, look, that's what this, just, you know, shut up and, and listen to what his, listen to what he's saying, you know, because he doesn't, it, it's not, it doesn't mean anything malicious. It's just his expectation. His expectation is so. His expectations are so high, you know. So um, I just think that you know you just got to just grim and bear it, and you know be ready to play when he calls on you. Otherwise, you're gonna sit and watch. That and and that's the thing about you know uh, about JB is is that you know he is no joke. He he's done this for a long time. He's gonna do it the way he wants to do it. And you and I have talked about it before. Even if we see things that we think might work. I always say the show, I always say my statements about Syracuse basketball in two ways. I say, this is what I believe would work, and these are the things that Bayheim will never do. Because, <laughs> because some of the things that I think will work, I can talk about them until the cows come home, but he's never going to do it, and that's just how it is. Now, I do want to look at a positive about Syracuse's game against Virginia. They had nine turnovers in the game and Virginia had 16. So I, I do want to say that I think that this is something that Syracuse can take away from the game in, in a positive way, that they kept under double-digit turnovers, especially against a strong defensive team like Virginia. 
I would have to say so because one of the trademarks of Syracuse is turning the ball over. Yeah. Uh, over the years, even back in my day, we get 15, 16 turnovers in a game. Yeah. And, you know, and that just that drove Coach crazy. <laughs> You know, so I think, like you said, you know, one one good takeaway is that, you know, they only had nine turnovers. So maybe that's a great indication that, you know, this year is going to be a year that, you know, they're not going to turn the ball over as much, which will be a great thing. And then you add the fact that they, they can hit some shots and play some great defense. Hey, we're on to a good season. Yeah, and, you know, and, and this, again, it's one game in, folks. So please, let's remember that. Can can we give a shout out to Evansville for becoming the first team to ever beat an AP number one ranked team at home in a non-conference game and be an unranked team to do it? I mean, Kentucky is the first ever team in the history of NCAA Division I men's college basketball to be AP number one and lose at home to a unranked non-conference opponent. So can we shout out Evansville this morning for giving us some March Madness in November? Shout out to Evansville. I tell you what, they, and you see the celebration after the game, those kids loved it and they deserved it because they went out and played their hearts out, you know, and, 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 and like people say all the time on any given day, you can get beat. You got to be ready to play. Walter McCarty, former Kentucky player, won a championship with Kentucky. He's the head coach of Evansville. And I guess John Calipari learned that you can never let your former players have a game against you because they know the way you coach. So, you know, that's something that they got to, something that they got to learn. And, and also there's this guy named Mike Hopkins on the West coast now, and he got his 50th win already. This is his third season as the head coach of the Washington Huskies in the PAC 12 in his first two years, he was voted PAC 12 coach of the year both times. And now he already has 50 wins over there in Evansville. I would venture to say that Mike Hopkins is is doing some great things out there. He's doing some phenomenal things. And I always looked at Mike as a, a, not only a great recruiter, but a, a great person who understands the game and knows how to coach the game. Um, so my wish, my wish is when coach decides mm-hmm. he wants to hang it up for him to come on back to Syracuse. Well, and that's, that's the thing is, you know, Bayheim waited so long and it, it, you know we, we look at we look at that situation that he he's waited he's still there he's probably gonna coach you know into his later 70s when we see Buddy Bayheim finish I would imagine that with you know Jimmy being done collegiately and Buddy being done collegiately that's when Jim will hang it up because you've gotten all the way to having your sons there well how, you know what's more what's better than that after that happens you know well, well you never know he might just be still want to get back those thousand one, one, get a thousand wins and, and then look at the NCAA and say, even though you took him away, I got him anyway. Well, that's the thing. He's going to be the first coach, coach in the history of college basketball to get a thousand wins twice. Twice. Can you <laughs> believe? That's just like, it's, yeah. it's bizarre. It is. And it could only happen to Coach B. Yes, only, only to, I agree, only to Coach Beheim. But a big shout out to Mike Hopkins, who's who's obviously getting it done and doing it, doing it in a fantastic way. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, I got a lot of respect for Mike. He's one of the best. So before we let you go here, Gene, uh, there's two things I want to get to. I want to put you on the hot seat for some rapid fire fun, but you get to put me on the hot seat too with a couple questions. But before we go there, 
I do want to speak with you on the NCAA. Now, California, and I've said this uh, numerous times on the show, if you want to get something done in America, you get California or New York to pass legislation, and they push the term to get it done. So California says, you know what? We think that athletes should be played, should be paid. If, if they play in you know, NCAA and they're there as a, as a student athlete, we believe they should make money for their name, image, and likeness, which propelled other states like Kentucky and Florida, New York and Pennsylvania and Colorado and so on and so forth to start looking at their own legislation. Well, before things got crazy and before every state had a different rule and there was going to be this jockeying for what state can provide the most to a player and now everything's uneven, the NCAA steps in and I was extremely surprised at how quickly they stepped in and, and the decision that they made that they have decided that athletes can make money off of their name, image, and likeness, and that at some point that's going to become a reality in collegiate athletics. So once again, California said, do it. And the rest of the country said, all right, all right, just put the gun down. So this is where we stand right now. What are your thoughts on players in college being able to earn money, being their own small businesses, so to speak, with their name, image, and likeness? I don't know how it's going to pan out fairly because you got the star player, and then you've got the player who's not playing at all yeah. on scholarship. You know, how does that? How is that going to work? And how does the player make his money? Uh, does he go out on his own? Um, does he, um, you know, does he talk to people and say, "This is what I, you know, this is what I'm doing"? And you know, I just don't know how it's going to work. How they're going to be able to receive money? Is the NCAA going to just say, "Okay, this is what you're going to get every month"? The NCAA is going to, you know, I don't, I just don't know how they're going to, how they're going to make the money. Now, if they got jerseys and stores, how are they going to get? How are they going to get paid? Um, I, I just, I just don't know how it's going to, how it's going to work, and how it's going to be fair from the first player to the last player on scholarship. I don't just don't know how that's going to work because I, I would imagine the star player receiving all this money and you got the, the last player not getting as much. There might be some, you know, might be some kind of dissension or, or maybe this ain't right type thing going on. Yeah. Um, so I just think, you know, however they're going to do it, they're going to, they're going to have to really iron it out properly so that it's it's fair for everybody and 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 even though they're doing it now let's go back to my years and retroactive my pain and get send me a check and you (laughs) yeah we talked about that we talked about the fact that like how you know how are you going to benefit just like when they say oh we want to forgive you know we want to forgive college debt for you know whatever the millennials i'm like whoa 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 (laughs) I've been paying on this thing for over a decade, and mine is not that much. If you pay mine off, it's like paying off a toothpick. So let's just let's let's get rid of that right now before we take care of the elephants in the room. Let's get rid of my toothpick. Let's make me happy. And exactly. So you know, it it, it makes absolutely it, it is. It's going to be crazy. It, it's it's going to be insane. There's so many questions that come up. The questions that you have are are you know no stranger to this broadcast and. It, the the biggest thing to me is like well I shouldn't say the biggest thing but there's there's all of these different pieces is the money going to get taxed do they get the money monthly are they able to work with anybody what if a strip club wants to sponsor a Louisville player so I mean you it's, know it, it's bizarre you know what I mean so it's like 
if you look at the situation, can any business do it? What businesses are excluded, if any? How much money are they allowed to make? Is there a cap? Is it going to be taxed? Are you taxed based on the state that you're in? Because in that case, it would make more sense to play in Pennsylvania than New York. So, you know, you start asking all these questions, then, like you said, the star player is going to make X. The, the guy that doesn't play anything is not going to make anything. The guy that comes off the bench is going to make less. So there's going to be some dissension on the team. And then different teams are going to have different money. And it's still going to it's going to keep everything the same. You know, football players are still going to go to Alabama. They're still going to go to Clemson because they can make a lot of money off of that. And then the question comes, if a player isn't playing or a player gets suspended or a player, you know, loses, loses some playing time, you know, now does the business get involved and say, hey, we're back in this kid. He needs to be out there. We're not selling as many cars right now. Do these sponsors pull in the middle of the season? How do these, you know, the, when it comes to running a business, as I know, it is a very intricate thing and in order to make this car run smoothly you have to inspect it every day so that is that is something that i don't see happening i don't see 17 and 18 and 19 year old kids inspecting their car every single day as 18 and 19 year old and 17 year old kids don't typically do with an actual car and i'm not trying to knock anybody i'm just trying to state an obvious fact there's a lot of life lessons that they're going to learn at a time where they're, where they're playing their sport and they're going to school and now they're trying to make money and people are trying to swindle them. And if agents are getting involved, I'm exactly, you took the words right out of my mouth. That's what's one of the things I was just thinking about agents. Who can you trust? Because a lot of it's going to come down to a trust factor too. You, you're going to have to be able to trust certain people. And if you don't know these people and they're doing this and that for you, you don't know what the return might, in their mind might want to be right. so it, it's I, I think it's going to cause a lot of problems I, I truly believe it's going to cause a lot of problems if they don't iron it out properly but gene agrees that him and i should get some money back just for oh, being yeah. great oh, upstanding that's, citizens. That's, that's, that's without a question <laughs> they got to send us a check at least us two <laughs> <laughs> at least us and then worry about everybody else yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no problem it's <laughs> dubbed with that it's W A L D R O N and then T O R T O R A. That's all the that's all they need that's to know. It, right? And then we're that's good. It. So <laughs> with that being said, Gene, before I, I let you hop out of here, I, I want to play rapid fire. I'm gonna ask you two questions that have nothing to do with sports. You can ask me two as well. We'll go back and forth. This is in the moment, folks, as it always is. Gene has no idea. I have no idea. Are you ready to go on the hot seat, Mr. Waldron? Yes, absolutely. All right. So my first question to you is this is one I've never asked before. If you could be in any Disney movie amongst these movies, what movie world would you like to be in? Beauty and the Beast, Frozen, The Little Mermaid, or The Lion King? The Lion King. And why? Oh, it was just a movie that I liked. I mean, Simba, I just liked the, the way that the movie uh, went about. Um, and I like lions. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just, you know, they, they're forceful. You know, they, they rule. So that, that, would, that, that would be me. Fair enough. What's your first question for me, Gene? My first question for you is, do you prefer winter or the summers? I would... I would say, okay, I love, I love Christmas. I love watching snow fall. I love that snow is one of the purest things, if not the purest looking thing on the planet. 
So I will say all that. I will also say that outside of ice storms, we have the only storms in this country that you can play in after. You can't play in a hurricane, can't play in a tornado, can't play in an earthquake, but you can play in a snowstorm. So I will say that I love winter looking at it, cozying up, getting some hot chocolate, being with the lady, watching some movies, having a good time. But I like wearing shorts and I like the sun and my skin likes the sun. So I'm going to pick the summer. <laughs> I love you had me thinking that you're going to say winter. I see. I will prefer the winter myself. I prefer the winter. The heat is just too much for me. Oh, and see, and what I just did with you is I got very cinematic. So I brought you one way and then I spun you the next way, Gene. Yeah, you did. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> Thank you. So with that, keeping, keeping that theme... There are a few movies out there, Righteous Kill, Heat, as well as a new movie that just came out about Jimmy Hoffa, where Al Pacino is pitted against Robert De Niro. If you had to pick a side and pick a team, whose team would you, who would you back? Who would you rather be in, if, if, if you were out there between Pacino and De Niro, and you had to choose whose group to be in, who would you back, Pacino or De Niro, and why? Wow, that's tough because I I actually live for both of those guys. Um, wow, you really have me stumped now. That's a tough one. I, you know what? If I pick one, I would really like be sad all day that I didn't pick the other one. Oh wow! You know what? I'm gonna tell you. I I I'm gonna pick both of them. I I really really love the did the way they act the way they present themselves over the years um they never really made any bad movies and when they perform they really get into character so i that's a tough one and he is one of my all time i can watch my wife is like you're not watching that movie again i was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i just love those guys so that's a tough one for me to watch i'm gonna have to you know i'm gonna have to bow on that one and pick both of them i, I just can't do it there's, that's just tough i really really enjoy watching those guys perform there's something about that movie when when you when pacino's there and he's like you know there may come a time where our paths cross. You know, I mean, like that. Yeah, when they sit at that table, that yeah. is classic. Yeah, there's that a flip side to that coin. Yeah, I mean, there's something about when he looks at him and he and he's like, you know, I and he's like, I may I may not hesitate to take you down. He goes, hey, well, there's a flip side to that flip. coin. Oh, <laughs> classic. I love it. And at the and at the end when they when they're holding each other's hand and there's that like level of respect, like yeah. it's like because because they're both the same person but they're doing different things. They're doing different. They have different jobs, but they're the same person, in yeah, a way. Unbelievable. So, all right. So now, yes. I've got you on. <laughs> okay. Who's the better cook, you or the missus? Ah. And, <laughs> and uh, why is one better than the other? Okay, so my lady, she. Oh, she ain't listening. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she, she is okay. Here's the thing. She's she's good, but I've cooked more than she has. And I just did something. I just made. See, I normally make my sweet potatoes a, a, a traditional way, and well, for I should say my grandmother's way, which is tradition to me. I changed it up this time. I was talking to my buddy Johnny, who's a longtime a friend and listener to the show, and and uh, so I'm sure he's listening right now. And and Johnny said to me, he was like. He's like, cut the sweet potatoes up into cubes, and when you cut them up into small cubes, he's like, put some seasoning on them, you know, put them on the top of the stove and whatnot. So I, I put some 
garlic garlic powder on them. I put honey and I put Himalayan sea salt and pepper and Whoa. yeah and I and I let them I let them uh, I let them kind of you know simmer there and then I covered them so that they would really you know get that steam and they would soften up. And that's like I found a different way to make sweet potatoes, and they were they were they were banging. So I'm gonna say like yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for me. So <laughs> <laughs> I tell you one thing, my my wife is she's the greatest cook, but we don't use pots anymore because we have a we have a instapot and we have an air fryer. I tell people if you ne- if you don't have an air fryer, you better get one. It is the most amazing thing ever. The air fryer. Yeah, I don't have one. Air fry, it cooks stuff so good. I mean, like, I had uh, French fries, and it's, you, you don't use any oil. You just put them in that air fryer, and they come out crispy. Unbelievable. Air fry is the, the greatest thing ever. I, I, I gonna, I'm going to bonus this question because I know that your wife is, is an awesome cook, and you're always posting all the stuff. So what's the best thing that she makes? Oxtail. Oxtail. She makes the greatest oxtail ever. That, she, she, that, never had that, that. And, and stuff and stuffed peppers. She that does and stuffed peppers. Okay. And, and stuffed peppers. And you know, I can just go on and on because she just. I mean, you know, they say the best way to to a man is through his stomach. <laughs> she done that. <laughs> so, so who would you back? Your your wife. Robert De Niro or Al Pacino? <laughs> My wife. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> That's very easy. Fair enough. Fair enough. That coming from Gene Waldron here this morning. Gene is always. I love the chemistry, man. We always, we always uh, have a great oh, time together. Always so. have a laugh. It never fails. <laughs> so I will talk with you uh, obviously uh, very soon. And thank you for your support as always. You're you're one of the one of the gems out there, and, and you mean the world to me. So thank you for what you do. All right. Take care. Take care, Have a man. Great day. Be good. Bye-bye. That coming from uh, Gene Waldron once again. So he does. He means the world. I mean, because when you grow up in Syracuse and you watch this, you know, you obviously watch Syracuse sports or whatnot, and you learn about Gene Waldron, and 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 you're watching John Wallace and and Billy Owens and Derek Coleman and Eton Thomas and 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 so on and so forth and. You know, all these guys at Dale Shackelford and Louis Orr and, and Roosevelt Bowie Jr. And they've all been on the show. And cheers to you, too, Gene. You know, it's like when I say that, you know, Gene means the world to me. What I'm saying is. How does a kid that grows up in Syracuse work his butt off and get told he can't and he won't and people try to make him fail? And now I'm sitting here talking with the people that are part of the history of the city that I love and the sport that I love. And it's insane. How, how do you become friends with the people that you look up to when you're a little kid and go, I mean, like if I'm four years old and Gene Waldron wants to sign my basketball, I, you know, I'm bright eyed and, and just sitting there with my dad, like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. And now I'm sharing a conversation with him and we got chemistry. That's making me sit here going, why are we not sitting at a table doing a show live somewhere? So, you know, Gene uh, plans for the future, brother. If you're up for it, definitely. So thank you to Eugene Waldron for, for all that he does and for being a, a tremendous sport and, and, and always treat me well. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's definitely lets you know that your dreams are attainable when four-year-old you is looking up at you at 34 today going, you are living your dreams. You are living your dreams, bud. And you're talking to the people that who would have ever thought, you know? 
I go to the dome and I'm like, how do you get to the players and how do you do this? How do you do that? I don't have any VIP. Like my parents, blue collar, we didn't have VIP. We didn't have floor seats. We weren't, you know, chum chumming it up with the players and whatnot. And, and, you know, knowing this and knowing that and eating dinner here and there with the coaches and, and hard work, effort, enthusiasm, and a whole lot of God. I'm sitting here today having interviewed Jim Beheim and, and sat with him over the last decade. And Mike Hopkins and Alan Griffin and Adrian Autry and Jerry McNamara and Kip Wellman and all the recent players and the former players and the Rolodex keeps growing. I mean, if I if I'm not an example of when people tell you you can't, just keep fighting, keep doing the best that you possibly can, and it will work out. One way or another, you're going to get to where you need to go, and you're going to be talking with guys like Gene Waldron on on your morning show. And whatever that that parallel ends up being in your life, whatever job it is, whatever person that is, you're going to get to do that. And you're going to be so thankful that you didn't listen to any of the haters. You listened to your heart and that you told your mind to start listening to your heart. That's what it all comes down to. So sometimes on the show, I get left speechless and, you know, just that chemistry with Gene Waldron here this morning. Like how how I mean, how do you have moments like that? in your life and not just stop and go, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> really God. I live that every single day. I live that. Did that just happen <laughs> in, in the best of ways? So people like Gene, people like Dale Shackelford, Roosevelt Bowie Jr., Louis Orr, John Wallace, Otis Hill, Sonny Spira, <sighs> Craig Forth, Ryan Blackwell, Alan Griffin, Adrian Autry, Jerry McNamara, Jim Beheim, Mike Hopkins, Demetrius Nichols, everybody. Terrence Roberts, Eric Devendorf. Y'all make it worth it. Trevor Cooney. Love Trevor Cooney. He's an awesome kid. I call him a kid because he's younger than me, but you know, awesome young man, and yeah, all the guys, all of them, Jeremy Grant, everybody, Hakeem Warwick, finally got to talk to Hakeem, that was on my bucket list, you know, there, there's just tremendous, Fab Mello, when I had, when I had Fab, Fab, may he uh, rest in peace, Johnny Flynn, Renzi Onawaku, and on 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 and on. Awesome people. Howard Trish, Brandon Trish. Dennis Duval. I appreciate them all. So thank you, gentlemen, for all that you do. It really never goes unnoticed.